guess what I brought for us? Some Portuguese tarts from Sweet Bellum. Tear-soaked Portuguese tarts. <laughs> <laughs> so sales got lost on the way to my house because she was trying to deliver some things to a house nearby but then got totally lost and in a flap. So she's turned up on my doorstep just going, oh, I don't know where I am. It was but like with tarts. It was like that frustrated, angry crying where it just all gets too difficult and so you just go <laughs> and just lose it. I love that and it, it often it often happens that sort of thing when you're moving house and you're just like organizing things and then weirdly the thing that tips you over the edge into a kind of <laughs> shrieking sobbing frenzy or something completely tiny and it, I suspect that if you hadn't decided to pick up some Portuguese custard tarts you'd be fine right it now. It was the stopping for the tarts that caused the problem because I was on the way to my friend George and Derek's house <clears throat> to drop something off and stopped to get the tarts and it just threw the routine and then so I missed the turn off mm-hmm. and it's a part of Sydney where there's train tracks rivers once you're sort of off the only route and that Parramatta you know. road which is oh. just like so I've been sitting here with an ice pack on my face because I'm one of those people because I've got freckly skin and red hair that once even if I have only a small cry (laughs) I swell up to the point where my eyes are nearly closed so I've walked in and Crab's gone Jesus do you need an ice pack (laughs) (laughs) I look like I've not slept in days the thing is that I've even baked so you didn't even need to get tarts I should have probably have briefed you about that (laughs) I just had a bit of your baking which was a ginger cake with pumpkin in it you said yeah Delicious. So have a look under my kitchen table there. See, yeah. look at that. Oh, yeah. I've got so many pumpkins left over from Halloween because a friend um, very kindly bought about five or six pumpkins uh, and brought them around for the uh, children to carve. Oh, yeah. But they're like full Queensland blue. Like you couldn't carve them. <laughs> so, <laughs> you needed a chainsaw. So I have been – everything that I cook has pumpkin in it at the moment. And actually – I'm falling in love with the vegetable all over again, I've got to say, Sales. It's a great vegetable. So, you know the annoying thing about pumpkin, particularly the Queensland blue, I don't know if it's just because it's a Queensland pumpkin that it's sort of intractable and flinty (laughs) and irritating, but like peeling one of those – sorry, that's for you, love. Um, (laughs) Wow, you know how to kick a girl when she's down, right? My brain's so frazzled I don't even have an appropriate comeback. I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh. Got another ice pack? Anyway, so um, back up your clacker, Mrs. So what I'm doing now is I'm just chopping them in half, not you know like equatorially, but like sort of up and down, right? <laughs> you know, right. not you know like just chopping them down the middle, right? And then putting them face down on a baking t- tray with yeah. a baking paper, and then just roasting them like that. Yum, and eating them with a spoon, <laughs> getting stuff out, and just then put it for the kids. They love it. They love it. <laughs> and, but then you just scoop the flesh out, so you right. don't have to actually peel it and chop your fingers awesome. off and go to emergency. And how, for half a pumpkin, how long do you roast it for to get the whole thing? Soft? Oh, about an hour at like sort of one seventy fan forced. Okay, yeah, okay. and so it's just lovely. And awesome. um, and so the things that I have made with pumpkin pulp in the last two weeks are. Do you want the list? Yep. Okay, so I've made pumpkin spice cookies, which are these beautiful, chewy, soft – I just Googled the recipe and there's a bunch there because the Americans are mad for this sort of thing, particularly this time of year. Um, So chewy and tasty. I'll make them for you at some point. Um, I've made this gingerbread, which is like a sticky gingerbread. Um, It's sort of based on the Nigella Lawson sticky gingerbread recipe, which I've carried on endlessly about before. Um, And in my desperation to use the pumpkin, I just put a cup of um, pumpkin pulp in and twiddled some other ingredients. And it's 
incredibly delicious, mm, kind of like yeah. dense and sticky and it's, it, it works is. really well with I the spices. To that. It is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, so that's going in the cookbook. Basically, this cookbook is due in about a week, so everything's <laughs> going in the cookbook. Um, pumpkin scones I made and, geez, Flo Bjelke peterson was onto something. You know, that is a good, 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 good scone. Okay, so what is the – because, you know, everyone's got their secret. Some people put a lemonade, lemonade or soda water in their scones and some people do – Yogurt. I'm a yogurt lady. <sighs> Is that yeah. and is that what is in the flow of Yoki Peterson? No, no, that's not in the no. I'm if I'm doing a plain scone, uh, yogurt every time. Right, interesting. A, a lighter. I mean, you still use butter, but less of it, and then you um, you basically moisten it with uh, yogurt. Oh my gosh, oh, so good. Okay. Um, but the pumpkin scone does not rely on yogurt, or you probably could incorporate yogurt. It's I'm, a good idea. I want to eat my um, tart, but it's going to be noisy because they're so crispy. So what I want to do is just show people how crispy it is and then I feel <coughs> like I can eat it with impunity. So listen to this. Thanks, Heston. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, hey, that reminds me of something awesome that I saw um, online the other day. Mm. Um I'm currently pioneering a, um, a roast mushroom cannelloni where mm, you put the can- – I've got a care package of it right here oh, for you for your lunch. Um, and so instead of like doing – you know with cannelloni, do you ever have trouble like stuffing the stuffing into those little bloody I've tubes? i made it for that reason. It's just – I just – it seems like a global conspiracy. Like how, how do you actually do it? I guess you'd need a piping bag to do it properly. But then if you've got mm. like spinach and ricotta or something, like it gets stuck in the piping bag. I mean it's just – the whole thing's a giant faff, and I don't understand how restaurants can get their cannelloni looking so neat because basically mm. I'm cramming it in with two teaspoons and it smears everywhere and it looks disgusting. I just end up being people, like you in your car, just do sobbing. Pe- do, people when they, do people when they make it do it, first of all, on a flat piece of pasta and then do the rolling at the end? Well, this is what I'm doing now oh. um, is getting fresh lasagna oh. And I've made a kind of roasted pumpkin, a roasted mushroom one and ricotta. So you spread it with a ricotta mix and then you roast up on mushrooms and then um, with like lemon zest and thyme and garlic and stuff. And then you just kind of like vitamize the mushrooms so that it's like a paste, mm-hmm. spread it over the lasagna sheet and then roll it up. So it's like a spiral and then cut it. And then I stack them into the tin, like standing up like oh, little soldiers. Yeah. Okay. Um, because that way you get the kind of crunchy end bits that mm. form. And then I started thinking about the crunchy part of the lasagna, which is that um, yeah. famous dish by, um, uh, oh, what's yeah. his name, Massimo Bottura. Yeah. Massimo Bottura, number one <laughs> chef in the world last year. Um, and I, the Times has got this awesome video that they made with him and it's just – if you just search the crunchy part of the lasagna, Massimo Bottura, oh, it's okay. like at the top of the search results. But they've got him in this like sound studio and they've filmed him making this dish, which is, of course, this hilariously deconstructed, delicious-looking thing. Um, but it captures all the sounds of him cooking to oh. a, just a perfect sound quality, which wow. neither of us would understand. But, yeah. And then <laughs> at the end, he just takes a bite of this incredibly crunchy sort of – cheesy pasta wafer that he's made and and then and then he just says the only line of the whole video he says how does that make you feel (laughs) it's so good anyway i saw that by accident the other day i loved on that episode of the of the chef's table that massimo batura was in they go to some place where they're trying parmesan parmigiano i love Um, that bit hang on a sec 
Parmigiano Reggiano, Ooh, um, and yeah. you just wanted to eat it so much because yeah. the cheesemakers just, you know, unwrapping it and carving off bits, and they're just going, oh, it just you just know it would have been so delicious. And the look of excitement on his face as well when they bring down these like special giant wheels of Parmesan. He, oh, he's just so he in just love. beside himself. Hey, speaking of chef's table, after Christmas, I'm going to New York for a week. Oh, God damn it! Guess really? where I'm gonna eat. Blue Hill Farm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is episode two of The Chef's Table. I'm so gonna you're going to go New there York and just one. have a carrot. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I-, I found that episode really riveting and I'm staying in a hotel not far from Blue Hill Farm, New York. So not not the actual farm that's, you know, upstate mm. New York, wherever it is, the one mm. in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I watched that, I just thought, look, you know, it's all just looks like he is serving raw vegetables. How delicious can it be? And everyone's going, well, it's delicious. And so I just want to see, maybe I'm just about to be scammed for, you know, 150 bucks for a meal. I'm just like, Still just that a is carrot. just a raw carrot. Um, so this guy's yeah. got a farm and he, he um, this is a chef who concentrates on ingredient quality and has this like, incredible restaurant where we just serve a tomato or a, a carrot, but it's the most essence of carrotiness <laughs> carrot ever. <laughs> It'll the make, risk it'll is those sales that carrot, it could like. it could just ruin you for all carrots. Yeah, that's you know. right. I'll be never able to eat a carrot again. No. Yeah. Um, hey, I've got a bit of a clang. Oh. Elton John, get out! <laughs> now, of course, I've been buried in cookbook, you know, panic for several weeks now. So I have not watched one bit of television. So I so this has been on television, has it? It you has. Yeah. So um, did you play the piano with him? You shocking there hussy! Is no way I would touch really? a piano in front and yet, of Elton Tim John. Tim Minchin. <laughs> Spotty enough for you to join on the on the keys, apparently. Take note, less, Tim. Less intimidated wow. by Tim than by Elton. Um, That's a bit of a bitch slap, really, isn't it? Look, the thing about Elton, so he's brought out a um, – it was really interesting. He's had the same songwriting partner for his whole career, Bernie Taupin, um, and Elton does – Bernie one- Taupin. That's so good. He obviously kept his original name, but, like, wasn't uh, – what was Elton John's – Original Dwight yeah. was Elton's name. Phil Boyd Stone. <laughs> <laughs> but – um, so they've Elton does only the music and Bernie does only the lyrics and oh. Elton says he doesn't even care what the lyrics mean. So people will say, well, what's, you know, Daniel about? Elton's like, I don't know. And I don't care. <laughs> he just does the music. Um, and anyway, for whatever reason, they don't do anything in the same room. They hardly spend time together. Um, just fascinating. But it, it, so they've brought out a, um, cause it's 50 years of their songwriting partnership. So, so does Elton brought, write the music first and no, then Bernie writes the lyrics. Bernie writes the lyrics really? and then Elton does the music. Yeah. Is that a weird way to? I mean, like, as a person with a musical I, I would, body. I would think writing the lyrics first would be easier because wouldn't that then suggest a form for the music? That's what I would think, but I don't know. You may as well be barking at me right now. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I'm sure people would do it both ways, right, no okay. doubt. I mean, I'm sure people would, you know, probably um, – like I'd love to know, say with the Bee Gees when they came up with the Staying Alive riff, you know, <laughs> was someone just noodling around and came up with that, and they went, oh, "We'll just make a whole song around yeah. that." I'm sure that stuff would happen all the time too. Anyway, um, so the the album is like a best of to celebrate 50 years of their creative partnership. And I mean, it just are they planning to actually meet? <laughs> celebrate? <laughs> they might Hi. have a cleansing ale to yeah. um, celebrate. No, it was. 
I mean, we, we went through sort of and got lots of archive stuff of Elton, you know, went at the start of his career. It was just amazing to watch. Like yeah. what a performer. But also just the body of material. My yeah. God. Like yeah. just song after song after great song after great song. Anyway, his, um, like with all of these sorts of people, often their minders are more officious than what they actually yeah. are. So there's a million you know, rules about you've got to do this and got to do that. But Was my, there anything cool about like, you know, don't look him in the eye or, no, you know, don't no, nothing like mention that. any month with an R in it or anything like that? But it was a week that what my was brother, the brother like did he demand kittens? Like, <laughs> no. we're cutting back, so only fifty thousand dollars worth of flowers. It's usually like, here's what we want for the lighting. There's, there's someone I'm interviewing next week. I won't say who yet, but in <sighs> case it doesn't come off, but um, it's the time limit's ten minutes. Must interview must be done standing up and must not be lit. It just has to be available lighting. So it's a very very big celebrity. I'm looking very forward to clanging about. But <sighs> um, anyway, so Elton, it happened that it was a week when my brother happened to be visiting from Queensland, and so um, I said, "Why don't we see if we can? Do you want to come to Elton John? I'll see if I can smuggle you in." He was like, "Oh, um, the, the blokes, he's a genius. Yeah, absolutely. I totally want to go to that." So um, my brother Glenn, who's gigantic. Six yeah, foot he's, four. he's tricky to disguise. He's very hard to disguise. Six this foot is our four, new gaffer. <laughs> red hair covered in tats. So he came in as like my security. <laughs> so he was in the room. But then right before we rolled, one of Elton's people came in because they'd asked us to keep numbers to a minimum. Right, okay. And came in and went, there seems to be a lot of people in this room. No giant hawking police officers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can we get rid of somebody? We're like, nope, sorry, everyone here is absolutely necessary. Anyway, um, Glenn was just absolutely thrilled. Um, and Elton was like... A lot of those people who they just know how to because they're just old pros and old entertainers. They just know how to give a good interview, tell yeah, good right. anecdotes, and be entertaining. And then when you cut it together with some clips from their career and just looking awesome in the seventies, oh, just it was such a pleasure. And he was he was nice, and so it was good because I left with my fandom intact. So, oh god, what a relief! Yes, it was very very good. Hey, um, you know how we were talking about assholes at night? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just like, can't stop sniggering. It's just, it's a real snigger trigger, <laughs> that whole thing now. And I'm sure the book is wonderful, but I probably will never read it because it I is just wonderful. It's like making bunts. You know, I just, <laughs> I went into um, <laughs> that kitchen shop, the chef and the cook, the cook and the chef. Oh, which one is it? The chef and the cook um, in Camperdown. And I love that shop. It's so awesome because it's just got everything that. You don't really need, but walk out oh, with because it's, awesome. it's just a Love trap. It and it also stocks that amazing pistachio paste oh. stuff, which is you could just drink by the gallon if it didn't cost as much as you know. Oh. I, I over the past month, I have eaten a whole jar of that oh, with a teaspoon. Yeah, so good. That's awesome. um, but I went in there and Michael, who runs it, who's just like lovely, um, and I'm like, I need a bigger bunt. <laughs> I'm just going. <laughs> I reckon when we write a chat 10 book, we should have a chapter called Smug Bunts. Yes. Or we could do a whole book on Smug Bunts. Yes. Um, I always feel embarrassed now because he knows who I am now and I just feel like whenever I go in there, I buy stuff that I absolutely 100% do not need, yeah. like new measuring spoons or something because yeah. I just go, oh, these look so nice, must have them. And so then I end up, you know, spending 20 bucks on something I, I don't need. just correctly identified the business model sales. Yeah, exactly. Welcome aboard. Um, so Anyway, so – so assholes at night put yeah. me into a bit of a – my culture consumption in the past fortnight has been a real uh, rabbit warren sort of principle, which is – no, not rabbit warren. What's it called when you do like um, oh, one thing leads to another yeah. thing, leads rabbit to another hole. thing? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, but, what? Hang on. Wormhole? 
There is a word. We use it all the time. We do, yeah. But it's like, you know, where you sort of just keep following this path. So Spiral. Spiral. I don't know. Anyway, look, dude, it's clear based on my morning that my brain is at full capacity. (laughs) Can't wait to see your interview tonight. (laughs) Oh, God. Excellent. What could possibly go wrong? Um, So I watched uh, The Way We Were. Oh, Uh, you really are moving house. Which was... Look, it was actually a little bit sad to watch it after Our Souls at Night because, you know, the way we were, I just got a glimpse of the way, Robert. I pronouncing it Our Souls at Night. <laughs> Our Souls at Night. Sorry. Our Souls at Night. Um, because I just got a glimpse of the way Robert Redford is now. And so the way we were seemed yeah. particularly poignant to see young Robert yeah. Redford. Um, the way we were is... I mean, I love Barbara Streisand. I mean, I know that that'll be the biggest surprise that's ever come out of my mouth for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> but um, I do. But th- that film, her character is so annoying. I would have had to split up with her as well. Yeah, right. She'd be pretty hard work. That's a fair cop. Anyway, so then. How do you feel about Yentl? I loved Yentl. <laughs> like, Papa, can you hear me? Oh, my God. Papa, can you see me? <laughs> no. Um, I love Mandy Patinkin too. fire hose. <laughs> This really clear mental image of me just like desperately plunging and getting a fire extinguisher and just like spraying you with foam. <laughs> the least you can do to let me cheer myself up is think a few numbers. Um, uh, so hang on, sorry, what's going to say? Yeah, so I mentioned on the Chat 10 Facebook group, might as well just get our plugs in. Yeah. If you like <clears> us, go to our website, www.chat10.com. Uh, go to our Facebook group, just look for chat103.com. Go to our Twitter, chat 10 looks 3 <laughs> You know where to find it. I'll yeah. just jump on there. Um, uh, mentioned it on the Facebook group that I was watching the way we were. A heap of people said you need to watch Barefoot in the Park. Right, okay. Which was young Robert Redford and young Jane Fonda. Oh, get out. Get okay. out. Okay. So Aww. seeing them together, having also watched our Souls at Night. Um, and it was what I would call screwball comedy. Okay. I didn't love it. I thought it seemed a bit dated and by contemporary standards a little bit slow. Yeah. But nonetheless, young Jane Fonda was just adorable. Yeah. And young Robert Redford was great and did have some good moments. The premise is basically a young couple's just gotten married and they move into a flat that's just an absolute disaster. There's a kooky guy who lives upstairs and they are sort of trying to set up Jane Fonda's mum with him. Chaos ensues. Ah. Um, so, yeah, lots of people in the Chat 10 Facebook group really loved it, but I thought it was okay. But um, if I, if you don't mind if I can just keep rolling with this monologue. Okay, I'll just periodically try and derail you as per usual. <laughs> because I um, then started following, so I did the way we were, so then it put me on a bit of a Babs thing and, yeah. as well. <clears throat> Alec Balls went on a Here's the Thing recently, did an interview with Barbara Streisand. No. Which I was great. To Alec Baldwin for a little bit. I better scramble back there. Look, I enjoyed it, although it was a little bit because they're both very well-known Democrats. It was a bit about a bit of a mutual therapy session about Donald Trump right, and about okay. what's going on in America. But my favourite bit was that wasn't Babs one of the ones that was going to go to Canada and never did? Probably. Yeah, she, I reckon she, she type, routinely yeah. threatened to go to Canada during the um, <laughs> I think both Bush presidencies. <laughs> there was a lot of Canada anecd- never saw any Babs. There was a lot of anecdotes of her, like you know, I rang. Hillary and I said you need to do this oh you know I said to Obama but are you tough enough and you know like can you imagine like being an American president or a presidential candidate be just like batshit crazy enough but imagine every now and again just getting a call from Babs like you just it'd be enough to make you just throw in the towel oh just be like getting rung by Paul Keating if you're (laughs) anything in the Labour Party you'd be like Mr President 
Barbara Streisand's on the phone again. He probably had someone who was like Barbara Streisand liaison. She's probably rich enough and gives enough that you've got to talk to her. Yeah. You probably have to take her call. What was that great um, story of Marina Hyde's? Um, when she used to work at The Sun as um, a kind of gossip columnist, she tells this story to talk about the pervasiveness and the nature of um, Rupert Murdoch's editorial kind of influence over newspapers, She's uh, his newspapers. She said, it's not a question of being given a directive all the time. It's just like the second guessing of the lieutenants that makes it, you know, a very pervasive sort of power structure. And she tells this story about how she wrote some gossip item once about Barbara Streisand, but the, her editor spiked it on the grounds that somebody recalled having once seen a Barbara Streisand CD on Murdoch's <laughs> desk, <laughs> like in his bookshelf. I'm like, oh, no, no, he really classic. loves Streisand. Like, <laughs> classic. Um, yeah, but Alec, the bit derailment, the bit, the bit. That <laughs> yeah, was now where, where were you? Hey, oh, Babs just kept talking about food and how oh, yeah, much right. she likes Almond. eating and how you know I forget what the film was. It was a certain film she wanted to be skinny. She's like, but I just couldn't stop eating. Oh, it was it was gentle. She said <laughs> right. we were filming in Poland or somewhere, and the food was delicious. And I had caterers bring in the food, and so I just kept eating and eating. And then they're they're recording it at it sounds like her place, and then her. The maid servant brings in, <laughs> brings in um, miso soup and you can hear them both slurping it. Oh, it's my just, God. It's, it's classic. And they're both because, you know, Alec Baldwin likes eating as well, so they talk a bit about that. Anyway, it was just – it was one of those ones where Alec – that podcast as rage therapy for Republicans. Can you oh. And now they're drinking miso soup. <laughs> Could not have been worse if it's – and we've put some – you know, here's some kale juice. But it was one of those classics of the Alec genre, which is – uh, someone that he knows reasonably well and they sort of bang on in a way that you feel like you're just listening to their actual conversation, yeah. which is a bit of a strange conversation <laughs> and two gigantic egos. Like the whole conversation's like, you know, Alex says, well, I blah, 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 and Babs replies with, well, I blah, 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 well, I blah, 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 just I, me, me, me. Alternating monologues. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which. Do you remember that one that he did with Anthony Weiner? I'm sorry, we've talked about this before, but I often think of that one as a really classic example of Baldwin. He's like quite deferential to his guests yeah. and polite. So he was, he talked to Weiner for, about like um, New York planning regulations for about 30 minutes before he got round to, hey, so about uh, so about this little hobby. <laughs> and at the end it was like Alex sort of counselling about how to get his career back That's on right. track. I and know. it was such a sort of God's, meeting of strange minds. I know, so um, weird. So Wien is in jail now. Yeah, I know. Far out. Um, what have you been up to? Uh, well, cooking, crying, that sort of thing. Um, but actually, no, I've been I've, – I've, I've got out and done a bunch of uh, nice things that I don't normally get to do. I went to Brisbane to do a couple of things and I went and spent a couple of hours at um, GOMA, the oh, Gallery yeah. of Modern Art, which I, is just one of the best galleries in before. Australia, I reckon. Wow. Okay. It is so good. In fact, that whole precinct around there, um, the sort of South Bank precinct, yeah, it's awesome, is just – the library is really, really good. Like yeah. you should take your kids there. They're really set up for lots okay. of great stuff for kids to do. It's a really awesome space. And then Goma is um, right nearby and it's just a really great gallery. It's It feels great to be inside. It's very airy and tall and spacious. And it just has – every time I've been there, there's been like an absolute winner exhibition and um, – I went there, um, I hadn't really planned before I went to Brisbane. I just looked up what was there and thought, oh, my God, I want to see both those things. So there was a Gerhard Richter um, exhibition there and he's just like, he's that, he's a painter who kind of, he paints 
sometimes on photographs and then sometimes he paints photographs and he's got this kind of portraiture of the moment thing going on. Like he's an incredibly accomplished painter, but he's he doesn't paint people posing. Like he kind of seems very opposed to the idea of a, uh, of a portrait trying to capture somebody um, or capture a truth about them. He's He does portraits as snapshots. So there's lots of portraits where people have got like their faces turned away oh. or like just sort of gazing off somewhere or preoccupied or reading a book or something. And there's something so beautiful about about them, just very transitory, but somehow um, really penetrating. Anyway, it, it's, a, it's a gorgeous exhibition mm, and okay. um, he's got lots of more abstract things as well, which are, um, which are uh, incredibly Not beautiful. Portraits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the work I would be familiar with. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then right next door, they had a, a full exhibition by this absolutely crackers Japanese artist called Yayoi Kusama. Mm-hmm. And I saw an exhibition of hers, or no, just an, um, an, an installation really, or an artwork of hers when I went to Goma with my kids like a few years back. Mm. And by coincidence, they've actually remounted it there at the moment. It is so great. So her work is all like giant, colourful um, kind of murals and stuffed things and it's just she's obsessed with pumpkins she makes rooms full of these stylized beautiful pumpkins and like (laughs) sounds yep crazy she's really bonkers um and she sews things and makes these strange stuffed kind of sculptures all incredibly colorful like it's beautiful to look at but um this um she did something called the obliteration room and it's two rooms that are like it's like an apartment right so there's a like a kitchen there's a lounge suite there's a piano there's paintings on the walls and like it's like a reasonably um sparsely furnished apartment but everything is white so the whole thing floor furniture paintings on the walls piano everything is just pure white wow and the idea is when you go in and people are encouraged to take their kids or whatever they hand you a sheet of stickers like multicolored little spot stickers of different sizes and they just say stick them wherever you want so as more and more people go in there's more and more stickers oh, everywhere on the walls like? and on the well over the course of the exhibition it gets, of course, more and more colourful until by the end there's no white space left. It's just all colour. Wow. <laughs> and it's so cool. And the kids are just like – because there's that thrill of um, damaging public property. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just relieved and, you've stopped taking your family to exhibitions of giant dildos. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> that sounds very well, cool. Well, I, I, I took my um, daughter to see the – my four-year-old to see the Rembrandt exhibition that's on at the moment at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, oh, which yeah, is great, like. by the way. Yeah, it's really great. Um, and um, uh, and there's that incredible Vermeer that is the um, – just the highlight of the exhibition, I reckon. It's, so it, it's sort of like a heavily Rembrandt-esque exhibition, but there's um, this – there's some other um, uh, Dutch artists and it's um, – Oh, my God. It is this beautiful painting by Vermeer of um, – I can't remember what it's called. It's called Lady with a Book or something or Blue Woman with a Book. Um, and it's this – she she's a 
pregnant woman, I think, which is pretty unusual in the in the time for a pregnant woman to be yeah. depicted, you know. Um, and she's opening a letter or reading a letter um, next to a desk. There's a map hanging behind her. But the incredible th- – and there's a bl- two blue chairs near her. But the incredible thing is the light, you know, and it's amazing to think this thing is like 400 years old or whatever and, and his capacity to capture this sort of soft and yet luminous light coming mm. in from, you know, presumably a window, you don't know what the light source is, is just absolutely thrilling. It's incredible to look at. It's wow, just I absolutely. Go and see it just it's, for that. It yeah, like- it's really, really, really beautiful. Um, although, you know, my four year old, four year old was like, Boring. Where's so, the dildo? Yeah, with. <laughs> well, I was going to take her to see the Robert Robert Mapplethorpe exhibition. I thought, oh god, oh, no. I have one at that too. That would yeah. be like you, that would be like cloudy with a chance of dildos. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I think we just came up with the episode title Brenda. for this week. <laughs> Brenda, clean that up. I think we'll leave it there. Let's leave you with that lovely visual, courtesy of Annabelle Crab. I just want to point out, courtesy of Annabelle Crab. Check it out. <laughs>